Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Good to have you with us and uh, great to, to be together, isn't it? Um, my name's Tim, by the way, if you don't know who I am. I'm Tim and glad you're here at Greater Alton. Uh, those of you who do know me, glad you came back. Uh, we're in a series of lessons on faith. We're looking at faith. You know, the theme this year is open the eyes of my heart, Lord, and we're wanting God to open our eyes to some things. And one of the things, the way He does that is through the eyes of our faith. The Bible talks about that, looking through the eyes of faith. There's all kinds of examples where God opened the eyes of people so they could see whether it be His power or maybe just something they didn't notice that, that helped them or to, to realize something. Uh, God wants our eyes opened. I'm learning something, and that is, that, and I'm still learning this, uh, that Christian, the Christian life is about believing. It's about living with faith. It's constantly living this way. In Romans 1.17, here in your notes and up on the screen, look what the Bible says here in the New Century Version. The good news shows how God makes people right with Him, that it begins and ends with faith. I'd like you to circle begins and ends there. It begins and it ends with faith. It says those who are right with God live by faith. And what we learned last week is, is faith is not a desire. It's not, it's not necessarily a feeling. Uh, it's, and it's not believing something that isn't true. Like if I believe it enough, it'll come true. No, faith is seeing everything from God's point of view. And I'm learning something not only is it seeing everything from God's point of view, living by faith involves trusting God with everything as well. Now, uh, you might be asking, well, why should I focus on my faith this year? Why should I? I'm asking all of us here to really do this, to really focus on, on our faith. Well, let me give you three that I just think they don't need really much explanation. Here's three reasons. One, without faith it's impossible to please God. Number two, anything that's not based on faith is sin. That's what the Bible says. Last week I got some eyebrows and I said, I'm not interested in your dreams. Well, what I mean by that is, if, if faith isn't shaping my dream and my plans, it's, it's waste. It's a waste. Here's another one. According to your faith, it will be done to you. Jesus promises that I'll get what I expect. And if I believe a little, guess what? God's going to do a little. If I believe a lot, God's going to do a lot. Now, here's something else I've realized. It, it, it hit me. That everything that God does in my life and your life is a combination of two things. His mercy. Thank God for that, huh? And my faith. His end is His love. Everything He does for me is because He loves me and He's merciful. I don't deserve it. But on my end is faith. Without those two, God isn't going to do much in my life. And so what I want to look at today is developing our faith. As we get into deeper and deeper in this idea of what is faith about, and what if, you know, last week we looked at fear, living in fear, living by faith, and how awesome it is to live by faith, and what happens when you do that, I thought we ought to talk a little bit about developing our faith here in the next few weeks. And I, one of the things I know is, again, another thing I've noticed is that my faith, your faith, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just develop automatically. Have you noticed that? A lot of things in life don't happen automatically. 
And faith is one of them. No, it's a process and it's on purpose. It's something I must be intentional about. And you must be intentional and on purpose about your faith before you can help him with mine. So what can I do to develop my faith? Let me give you uh, five. I, I found five ways that I develop my faith and I thought I'd pass them on to you. I think they're, they're in the Bible. First, I secure my faith in Jesus Christ. It starts there. Look what the Bible says here in John 14. Have faith in God. Have faith in Me. I think uh, the NIV says, trust in God, trust also in Me. That's another word for faith when you stop and think about it, is the word trust. To rely on. To depend on. And the thing is, see, there's a lot of things that, that, uh, that try to appeal to my faith and want my faith. And there's things I, that I will catch myself believing in. Like I'll put my faith in others. You know what I'm talking about? We put our faith in other people. Maybe put our faith in ourselves. Just believe in yourself. Or maybe we put uh, faith in the hands of karma or luck. I know some of us here do not like that word luck. I understand. Or maybe we put our faith in money. And yet the Bible warns us to not put our faith in these things. Let me show you up here on the screen and see if you see a pattern. Look at, I just happened to, I, what I did was I typed in trust and, and this is what I noticed. It is better to trust in the Lord than to trust in people. Now, should I trust people? Well, I'll tell you what, I trust my doctor. I trust my dentist. I trust my friends. But notice it starts with trusting the Lord. You really ought to trust the Lord. It starts there. He says, it's better to trust in the Lord than to trust in people. Look at the second one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't trust in your own understanding. You ever go with your gut? I've lived with my gut several times. And I've been right. I've also been wrong. And yet notice the Bible says, hey, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not just in your understanding. Don't trust it. You really trust the Lord over this. Look at this here in Proverbs 16.33 in this today's Passion Translation. I thought this was very interesting. You may toss the coin and roll the dice, but God's will is greater than luck. I should trust the will of God. Not karma. First Timothy 6, look at this passage. Tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. Money cannot be trusted. They should put their trust in God. He gives us all we need for our happiness. Now, what are these Scriptures trying to say? I should trust Jesus before and above anything else. And that's where faith has to start. If I want my faith to develop, it starts by where do I secure, attach, connect? What do I rely on the most? Now, what I see a lot of times happening, and it's happened in my life, and it does happen to it still happens, is that I can I tend to claim I have faith in God, but I default to the faith in people, faith in myself, faith in money, faith in luck, faith in other things. And sometimes I can think, well, I have faith in God. I, I believe there's a God. But to trust Him is a whole different thing. And see, if I secure my faith, I secure my faith in Jesus, not in all these other things, it doesn't happen through a superficial association with Jesus, but with a genuine relationship with God. 
Now, what do you mean by that? What I'm trying to say is, I can't settle living near the will of God, but living in the will of God. I can be near something and think I'm in, and I'm not really in. I've got to make sure I'm living in the will of God so I secure my faith in Christ. Look at the Bible says here in Colossians 2. Let your roots go down into Him. Not near Him. Into Him. Let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you'll overflow with thankfulness. You know, he's saying here, let your roots go deep into Christ. He's the, that Christ is the true foundation of your life. I was noticing, I got to thinking about this, and the reason I had you circle that very first passage, it begins and ends, is because I got started thinking about foundations, and of course the, the idea of a cornerstone came to my mind. And we all know what a cornerstone, the purpose of a cornerstone is. I, I even looked it up to make sure I Googled it. You know, and, it, and, and a cornerstone is the first block you lay, the first stone you lay, and it says it connects two walls together. That's its first purpose. And then it sets the direction for the rest of the construction. And Bible says Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's what you start with. And then there's this term capstone in the Bible. And Jesus is called the capstone. That's the last stone you put when you complete the project. Do you see what I noticed already? He's the cornerstone, the beginning, and the capstone, the end, the author, the omega, the author and finisher of my faith. And one time he said this, he said it says in the Bible that he says these people, he he's their basically they're they've chosen him as the cornerstone, but they've rejected him as the capstone. What's that about? They didn't let him finish. They wouldn't let him finish. You know anybody like that? They start in the faith, but they don't let him finish. They reject Jesus eventually. And so the faith isn't developed. The faith isn't complete. And Jesus wants our faith to grow, and He wants, and God wants it to be complete. Look at the Bible says here in Hebrews 12. Let us look only In other words, keep our eyes on Jesus. Why? He's the one who began our faith and makes it perfect. He completes it. And I've learned over the years, you know, for me to secure my faith, if I secure my faith in Christ, then I'm agreeing to, not only Jesus are you starting this faith, but I'm depending on you to finish it. I'm going to follow you and trust you to finish it. Now my question is, some of us here, have you began with Jesus? What do you mean by that, Tim? I'm asking you, are you really a Christian? Have you? Is He Lord of your life? Have you made that commitment? Have you been baptized? Because that's the start. And now some of you here, you've done all that. Well, Is He going to finish what He started? Will you bring your faith to Him? He brings His mercy and love to you. And will you now say, Lord, You're going to finish me. 
the work you began in me, you're going to complete. I'm going to see to it that I cooperate with that work. This doesn't happen. Listen, folks, this doesn't happen with a casual association with Jesus. This happens with a serious discipleship following Christ relationship. So it starts there. I want to develop my faith. I first got to secure it in Christ. Strongly in Christ. Number two, I sustain my faith with God's Word. In other words, I feed my faith regularly. You know, after church, <laughs> after church is going to be a buzz. Now, as a preacher, you think it's over the lesson. It's over lunch. Where are you going to eat? Are you going, to, are you going down to Pump House? Or are we going to go to Santino's? Or where are we going to go? How about the franchise, man? Oh, no, no, that food's awful. But they got a lot of TVs, you know. Oh, are we going to go home? Let's go run by McDonald's or Arby's. I mean, what, our, I'll tell you, as a culture, we, as a human being, we are focused on food. What's a celebration? Desserts. I'm coming. You know, we, we, we even use terms. We even use terms to, to explain. There is lunch time, dinner time, meal time. What are we saying? There's time to eat. And sometimes there's in between snack times. Some people say, well, do you eat three times a day? I tried to do better than that. We love to eat. We, and you know, and, and if you ever had somebody say, you know, uh, or you go, man, I forgot, I forgot to, I, I forgot to have lunch. Rarely does it happen, am I right? Oh, we ain't gonna miss no lunch. Not gonna miss no snack time. I got a grandson uh, in one of the classrooms, and I was told by one of the teachers he he comes in and goes, so what's for snacks? It's not how you doing. Welcome to Greater Alton. What are we? Not what are we studying? Or let's pray. What's what's a snack? Well, Meyer, it's uh, well, you know we're going to have this. No, no, I need snacks now. You know, we learn early. We we plan our life around food. Why? Because we're hungry. <laughs> we like to eat. I like to eat. It's one of the many pleasures of life. In Colossians 2, verse 7, look what it says up here. Let your roots grow down into Him and draw up nourishment from Him. You see, just like the body needs food, my faith needs food. It needs it on a regular basis. I do believe this is the difference between strong faith and scrawny faith. A lot of times our faith is just weak and tired and wore out because we just had anything to eat from the Lord's table. I don't know if you ever heard of the term uriurk. Bill Cosby talked about that years ago. Uriurk? Uriurk? That's what your stomach does. You know, it growls. Uriurk? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You guys, do your stomach ever growl? And you go, and you're sorry. You're in, a, you're in a meeting or they're praying and God and there's a moment of pause and then your stomach goes, Sorry. What's, our, what's the body saying? The stomach's saying, feed me, Seymour. I need some food. Get in this belly. You know, I mean, I gotta eat something, right? You know, your soul growls too. When you don't eat from the Lord's table, man, the soul will growl. What do you mean? What are you talking about, Tim? You get fussy, afraid. Your faith gets, gets, you get 
grumpy, cranky, pessimistic. All of this, your soul is growling. It's like that commercial, you need a Snickers bar. You've got a Roseanne bar going, you know, and you need something else. Denise will say to me sometimes, she she goes, have you anything to eat? I go, why? Well, you look tired and you've been grumpy. Well, they can't be that. But I haven't eaten. And so I'll go grab something, I'll eat something, and what is it? It doesn't even have to have time to get in the system. You just feel like i got energy all of a sudden. Right? You just feel better. The soul is this way. Your spirit is this way. Look what Jesus said. It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. See, my faith lives on the spiritual food only God can give. If you want your faith to develop this year, you've got to nourish it. You've got to make sure you're sustaining, you're feeding it. Denise and I, have been, we're, we're, uh, we've, as we've gotten older, a lot of things have changed. And one of the things that's changed is our diet. You know, you all know about my sugar thing. I'm trying to keep it below 40 grams of sugar. That's hard to do. I can't drink soda. I drink one can of Mountain Dew. It's over for two days. So I have to be very careful. I count the M&M's. I have 10 M&M's. They're 2 grams apiece. And I, I don't go, no way. Not anymore. Like communion. I'm thinking of something. <laughs> One M&M, half an M&M. I do. I count them out. I kid you not. She is on the salt thing. See, I'm ferocious with salt. She don't care about. She's not as concerned about the sugar. She's looking, and we're going to Walmart or we're going to some place, and she goes, "Look how much salt is in this. I don't care how much sugar is in it. This is this, look at that. How much salt? I can only have like fifteen hundred or two thousand milligrams. This is this right here. Will put me next week. There's no way I'm gonna. And so, so what are we doing? Well, we're gonna have to learn. Uh, you know, some of you are on this keto diet, and I don't know. You know, you read one article says it's going to kill you by next week. Another article says it's the greatest thing in the world. But you know, and I notice about you keto people, I'm beginning to identify with you some. Then he said this. She goes, you know, it's a lot of hard work eating healthy. You have to look at everything, and you got to read everything, you got to add up everything, and I can't eat half of the thing, and it's just a lot of things. And that's true, isn't it? It takes a, and listen, it takes discipline and hard work if you want to feed your faith. It isn't just going to, a Twinkie isn't going to do. I listen to a podcast, okay, a TED talk. Okay, you got it condensed. Okay, great. You say, is that enough? No, it's going to take a lot more than a little junk food from a podcast. You know, one of the things that Bob Hawkins told, and I don't, I'm listen, you can talk to Bob about it. Here's what he told me. He said, I wish I could get more young people to come to these sunset classes, but young people want it. Quick. It takes discipline, church. It takes discipline. I'll tell you what, when I was young, I didn't want to go to school either. I didn't want to go to school either. So, so this idea, I just, I need to eat healthy. And why? Spiritually. Because it's worth the work if I'll go after it. 
Now, there's lots of ways to feed your faith, and let me give you just a few to think about. One is having a reading plan. There's thousands of these plans everywhere. My mother is right now, she, she's got away from the daily Bible. Now she's reading a, a plan that gives you an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage, and that's what she does now. 88 years old, and she's still feeding her faith. 88. And so, I'm, oh, that's cool, Mom, you know. That we've got this uh, Bible uh, or leather-bound Jesus in red letters. I know some of you are going through that now. I was listening to Janet Bader's telling me, yeah, I, yesterday's reading, and she was sharing it immediately with our group last night. It was awesome. And there's there's memorizing, memorizing. I can't memorize. You know your phone number. I'm gonna tell you, folks. It's I, you know I gotta admit, um, I don't know your phone numbers. That, that cell phone has ruined us. I just hit and people call me up. Do you, uh, do you know so-and-so's phone number? Hold on. I remember the old days. Do you know so-and-so's phone number? Yep. Let me give you a phone number. 618-842-9370. You know what phone number that is? That's the phone number that I had as a kid and our family in Golden Gate, Illinois. I can't get rid of it. At KKNO 677. You know what that is? That's my call letters on my my uh, citizens band radio. This is this is Big T KKNO and six seventy seven on the air. Anybody out there? Big T, this is a joker. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. This is uh, Big T uh, KKNO six seventy seven. I know that number. Why? It's stuck in there. Why? It just I can't memorize. But you know all the latest batting averages. I can't memorize, but I sure can remember what you did to me and said to me three years ago. Hello? We got good memories. I remember my brother said to him, first became a Christian, I'm not going to be able to memorize anything. I fried my brain with drugs. He seems to be just fine. He remembers all kinds of things and he memorizes Scripture and he realized that wasn't true. I'm saying, so this memorizing, just memorizing a passage gets me through something. Oh, yeah. It reminds my faith. It feeds my faith. Just having a little bit of passage somewhere, written somewhere. You know, praying through a passage. I spent a year, one year, praying through the daily Bible. And some of you remember getting those texts. It was the best year of my life. Praying through. How do you pray through numbers? A list of names. Father, this guy named Jehuba Haki and Mahana Numa. Father, I look at all these names. I don't even know these people. And I can get lost sometimes in the names. I wonder if anybody even notices. Let me appreciate the people in my life, the list I have, the numbers I have. Thank you, God, for that I count. That I count. You remember my name. You have my name written in a book. I mean, there's just, how do you pray through some of the most difficult passages? You'd be surprised what you find when you pray through the Bible. Sometimes it's, it is listening to an instruction. Listening to a sermon helps our faith. Many of you have been very kind to me as I preach. Very kind to me because I really can. I can. I'm a train wreck sometimes. I know that. And you're just so kind and complimentary. And, you, and, and it isn't that, oh, that was a good sermon. What I, what I hear is somebody say, Boy, Tim, that, I'm never going to forget that. That just helped me. 
You know, we're having a kids class, a parenting class, and, and Denise and I were talking about how it's really not just a parenting class, it's how to work with children class. It, 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 it would be great for a grandparent. I'm going through it as a grandpa for the first time. Wow, am I learning some things. And it was just, we just had our first session this week, and it was a full class. All these, these couples and, and singles come, coming together, and they're all concerned about the same thing. They want to raise their children the way God would want them to be. They want them to be good, uh, good adults, be able to handle things, handle reality. And we're watching a video from a guy from the 90s. He's got an ugly sweater, one of those Argyle diamond, you know. That's, how long ago has that been? You know, and, and he's talking and they're all laughing and I'm like, this is wonderful. I, I realize if you ever want to work in the kids ministry, this would be a great class for you to go through. Because if parents and the church were on the same page when it comes to helping our children, not authoritarian, but being, and, 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 uh, punishing children, but having more of a nurturing approach, what could we do together? Talk about a partnership that would raise spiritual champions. But anyway, we're in the class together, and we're going through the video, and then we break into two groups, and I'm one group is on one side of the small dome, I'm in another group on the other side of the small dome, and I'm watching everybody talk, and they're just listening, lots of sharing, and I'm going, wow, this is awesome. And I'm trying to figure out why. Because they're hearing some instruction and it's giving them hope. It's feeding their faith. So sometimes it's good to go to a sunset class. It's, it's important you're at small group. It's good to, to hear a sermon series. Read a book. Because we need that instruction. By the way, that class, you can still get in this class. It's this Thursday at 6.30, and there's still room if you would like to, to join that. So that's one of the things I do. I, 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 secure, I secure my faith, and I sustain my faith. Here's the third one. I stretch my faith through risk. Want my, you want your faith to grow? You want it, want, want it to develop? You've got to stretch it. See, I may get faith from hearing, but it grows from stretching. Just hearing more isn't going to do it. Hearing more information isn't going to stretch my... It's going to stretch itself, but really the stretching and the building and the developing comes when I begin to put it into practice. I read this. I thought there was a very interesting paragraph about our culture here in the United States. The most daring thing you can do with your life is to live completely for Jesus Christ. Today in America and most of the Western world, we have removed all the danger of following Christ. Believe that? We have made it safe and predictable. We've made it harmless and, and innocuous. We've made it bland and boring. And the thing is, see, and I know you wonder why I have weak faith. Wonder why my faith isn't growing, isn't developing. You see, risk is an undeniable factor in faith development. You can't, you can't grow without some risk involved. Without some stretching happening. And there's gobs of examples in the Scriptures. But I want to, there's one I found in John 6, and I love the translation because it used the word stretch. Look what it says here. So, the, so he turned to Philip. Jesus turns to Philip and says, 
where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Now, Jesus already knew what he was going to do, was about to do, but he said this to stretch Philip's faith. I think one crash says to test his faith. You ever tested something? You want to test steel or you want to test, test a, a plastic or you want to test a glue? I remember one time the boys, uh, Nathan had a, a science fair project and we tested different kinds of glue and we made this, this kind of press that worked on the weight of sand as it was poured in and we, we glued popsicle sticks together and it was pressured until finally it broke and then we took the sand out, weighed it, and we tried different kinds of glue and we learned all kinds of things about wood glue, model glue. How did we, what did we learn? How strong it was from the pressure applied, from the strength applied, from, from, from the stress that was, we learned the strength of the, of a particular bond. Well, our faith is much like this. It's tested and stretched and we learn about our faith. God wants to stretch your faith is what I'm trying to tell you this morning. He wants to stretch our faith here at Greater Alton. And He's going to test it and stretch it and pressure it because He wants it stronger. I used to be a tool and die maker and one of the things we used to do is we used to, I, I wasn't, I got to learn how to heat treat steel. I worked with such steels as D2, Bearcat, O1, Lehigh H. You're saying, what are those? They're different types of steel with different types of alloys in them. And one of the things about D2, it's an air cooled, an air cooling type of, of steel. You heat it up and then you just set it out in the atmosphere and it cools down and it gets hard as a rock. You have to heat it up sometimes 1850 degrees you'd heat up Lehigh H. It was one of the toughest steels there was. And we'd make certain things out of it. And I'd put it in this little little gas furnace, you know, and, 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 and had refactory brick, real thick brick around the inside. A big old door would come down and protect you. And you'd look through the window, and you'd watch that steel get hot, and all of a sudden it'd turn red. And you could, you could literally see the waves of heat going through the steel, and you're like, well, that's so cool. And then after so much time, you'd pull it out and set it up, set it outside, and it was glowing red, you know, and you'd watch it cool down. Finally, it was black. Now, the problem is, if I took that piece of metal and I just simply four foot away and dropped it on the floor, it'd shatter into pieces. All the molecules are real hard, but they're not connected. So it has to be tempered. So it has to be put in the fire again. Did you hear me? It has to be put in the fire again? Again. What do you do this time? Well, not so hot, but hot enough. So the molecules who don't want to get along with each other go, Oh, hi. How long have you been here? And they start becoming friends and they start bonding together. And then I can take that, after it's been tempered, I can take that same piece of metal and I can throw it as hard as I can. And it just bounces like a basketball. It doesn't break at all. Because it's bonded. It's stronger. It was already hard and strong, but now it's stronger because it had to go through the fire again and again. And faith is this way. If I want my faith to be strong, God's going to have, He's going to, He's going to test it. How? Through the fires of trials. Through the fire of failure. Some of the heat is going to be, you're going to think it's unbearable. But it's necessary. And then, and then you have to go through the fire again. Maybe it's through a person challenging you. Or through a blessing. 
A blessing is going to strengthen my faith? Yeah, Tim, what are you going to do with all that money you're making? Tim, what are you going to do with that talent that you have? I just blessed you with some influence. What are you going to do with that influence? Going to be about you or going to be about me? Strengthens our faith. Tests my faith. Now, God is not only testing, we're told that, that He tests our faith and He stretches our faith, but you know, you and I are also to stretch and test our faith. That we're to place ourselves in situations and into things to get stronger. What are you talking about, Tim? Well, look what the Bible says here. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Can I also say stretch? Because if you look up the word test, it means to pressure too. So, pressure yourself. Test yourself. The Bible says train yourself to be godly. Push yourself. Self-control. What's self-control? It's controlling yourself. And sometimes I need to tell myself, Tim, you've got to move. You've got to move a little more. Push yourself a little bit more. Don't be such a fraidy cat. Be curious. Be a curious cat. What's going on over there? Take a step this way. Oh, last time I did, I got burned. Yeah, because it was fire. You're going to get burned if your faith is going to get stronger. Hello. Don, I'm going to strut around. Don's always saying I strut sometimes. I'm gonna fire is, is I'm gonna get burned if my faith is gonna get strong. You say if you've been burned, you just had an opportunity for your faith to be stronger. Did it make you stronger or made you want to quit? Let me read something. I'm gonna read some names. You try to guess what they are. The catnapper. Aw. The cuddler. The teddy bear. You may know what that is? Let me give you a real easy word. It refers to the same thing. The lazy boy. The recliners. The cuddler. Doesn't it make you want to buy one? The catnapper. Yeah. Cozy up to the catnapper and relax. The teddy bear. What are you saying? I was told one time by somebody who retired, Tim, when you retire... Do not get in the recliners. I said, why? Because I've had friends, when they retired, they died within just a few years. They quit doing everything. They begin to, like the goal was to do less and less and less. And what happens is your muscles break down. You get weaker. You've got to stay on your feet. You've got to keep moving, Tim. But my shoulder hurts. Go through the shoulder surgery. You've got to keep active. You got to. You say, well, some people. Well, Tim, you'll always be that way. I got to tell you. Sometimes my goal is to do nothing. I don't want to do anything. And yet the Bible warns us about how spiritual atrophy can take place when we go on this vacation, this spiritual vacation, when we we aren't willing to move and stretch. You know, when I don't stretch, I'm not as flexible. When I don't stretch, I'm not so flexible to new ideas and new things. 
I'm set in my ways. I'm crusty. And some of you here have gotten old long before you should have. Instead of picking on these 60, 70 years, oh, look how they walk around like this. Well, let me tell you, spiritually speaking, they're leaving you in their dust because you're walking around like this, going, I don't want to do that. I want to give. I got to give? Where's it going? You're 20 some years old and you sound like you're 65. What's that all about, folks? I'll tell you what's happened. You've got in the catnapper, your spiritual recliner, and you just think these, these, these lights just magically, like there's elves that come. Je- Jesus sends little elves from heaven and they clean the building and they get everything straightened up and all. Somebody needed to hear that. Okay, so. So if I neglect to stretch my faith, then my spiritual muscle will break down. And the only way I really stretch my faith is through this idea of risk. What's that mean? Trying something new. I've a- I asked uh, Richard and Megan Harders if they would if they would uh, lead you know, the, the the kids ministry. Would they take care of administrating because we need an administrator? And they went sure. Praise God. I asked Richard, I said, could you lead a discussion and, and uh, uh, the parenting thing? Could you do that? Without flinching. Yeah. What's that all about? I asked son, my son Matt, could you lead the other discussion? Because people get nervous when I'm in the discussion. I understand why. And and he goes, sure. You know, I, I, I'm telling you, the older generation is going to be gone. And there's got to be another generation that says, give it to me. And we quit using this excuse that says, well, nobody will give me the ball. I tell you what, sometimes the reason you're not getting the ball is because you're asleep when it's handed to you. You don't notice it. Help us out here. Somebody needed to hear that. And here's the thing I notice. I'll try something new. I'll face something challenging. You know, I'll face something it's impossible for me to do. And that's the whole point. God said, that's right. It's impossible. But with me, it's possible. And I want you to do this. I can't see myself doing it. But I can. Trust me in this. Stretch your faith a little bit. Or maybe it's attempting something again. I used to do this, but I've gotten away from it. It's time to get... I was told one time, Tim, you need to get back to your roots of your discipleship. And that's what I've been doing ever since I heard that challenge. Maybe it's getting back to influencing and speaking up at work and leading a group or getting involved in a ministry. Why do I believe that's so important? Because when I stretch, when you stretch your faith, God blesses it. He blesses it. In Luke 5, you got this story. Here's Peter, you know, and Jesus is talking. They've been fishing. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, look at it says here, go out a little farther. Roll out a little farther. Go a little farther than you are. And go a little deeper than you are. And you're going to catch something. And what's Peter go? I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. What do you know about fishing? We fished here all night. But because you say so, I'll try it. I'll let you stretch me. 
And the Bible says the nets are about to break. And what's Peter do? Oh, I'll tell you what I always emphasize. He always comes to Jesus and goes, Oh, I'm not worthy. Look away, I'm hideous. I'm a sinful person. And that's why I leave it there. But you know what Peter really learned? When I stretch, God blesses. When I stretch, God blesses. One time he's talking, uh, Jesus is talking about uh, some just machine gunning points out. One of them is on forgiveness. And Peter goes, Whoa, whoa, whoa. And, he, and look what the disciples say. They say, Oh gosh, give us more faith. Help our faith grow. Help give us more faith. Jesus goes, You really want that? You want more faith? I almost said, You can't handle the faith. <laughs> Do you want more faith? <laughs> Do you want more faith? Okay, I'll give it to you. And one day they're out in a boat and that boat's going crazy. This is later now after they've asked for this. We, our faith needs to grow. Okay, they're out in a boat. It's going crazy. It's a ghost. Oh, you know, and there's Jesus walking along. What? Are you, what? That's me. And what does Peter say? Peter, if it's you, if it's really you, tell me to come out. Now I'm so I don't know. The eleven other disciples are probably going. Man, I'm glad he didn't say. If it's really you, tell us to come out. You know, <laughs> they're all going. By the way, there's, I was, Bob and I were talking about, there's Matthews in that boat. Old, crusty Matthew. Along with young fellas. Everybody needs their faith strengthened, right? Everybody's asking for more faith. And he's stretching everybody's faith. Peter says, if it's really you, tell me to come out. Well, come on out. Huh? <laughs> come on! And he comes out. And you know, the, the eleven are watching this. Wow, the power when somebody steps out on faith on everybody else. Just the power that it does to the rest of the church when you have the guts to say, is it really you? Then tell me to fill in the blank. If it's really you, God, then tell me to... Do you dare fill in that blank? It'll bless your life. Peter walks on water. Yeah, but he sinks. Yeah, he walked on water when he walked out of the boat, but he was walking on water when he got back in. Well, but he sank. Faith development is hard. But it's not impossible. It's not impossible. I'm saying we get... Church... I want, I want us to have the courage and the faith to say, God, Jesus, if it's really You this year, tell me to... And I listen, and I hear what He wants me to do, and I do it. While the rest of us are in the boat going, don't go. Well, what are you doing? I'm stepping out of faith. Let me tell you, that will encourage everybody else in the boat. Here's the fourth, uh, fourth one. I gotta move. Oh my goodness, it's so, you gotta cut into football time. Here we go. Number four. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Okay. Go Tennessee. Anyway, um, I share my faith every day. I want my faith to grow and develop. I share my faith every day. I, I found, that I've stumbled across this passage simply because I typed in every day. I wanted to see if it was, uh, I, I, I typed in the word every, then I typed in the word day, then I typed the word every and, capital letters, day, and, and I found this verse. 
Sing to the Lord, bless His name, share the news of His saving work every single day. Why should I share my faith every day? Because it's too good to be quiet about. It's just too good. Let me ask you something. If you had the cure for cancer, you say, oh, I know this is going. Well, let's, let's play along. You have the cure for cancer. You know it. And you have a friend that has cancer. Or one of the thoughts that go through your mind, I don't want to pressure them. I don't want to tell them what to do. I don't want to get in an argument. I want to still be friends. Is that enough? You see, I have, and you have the cure for it. For it! The thing nobody, no doctor can cure you of. Jesus has the cure. And you and I have been cured by it. By the great physician. The cure of sin and death. And when I, 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 every time I can tell, I can tell you this, and some of you know it's true in your hearts of hearts. Every time you share your faith, it blesses you, doesn't it? You go, man, I'm watching the Word of God at work. I'm watching God change a life. Every time you share your faith, I was talking to someone this week after class, and I said, you know, I don't have the relationship. I wish I had with you so I could say something. He goes, you have, you say whatever you want to me, Tim. Are you kidding me? And I begin to share a little bit of what I believe. And he's sitting there going, okay, I'm amazed at this. And every time I share, it's, yes, doing something strengthens my faith. But hearing myself talk about Jesus strengthens my faith too. If faith comes from hearing the message, sometimes hearing the message come out of my own mouth gives me faith. I want to encourage you. You say, well, what are you talking about? I don't know how to study the Bible with anybody. Tell them about what you know about Jesus. Jesus loves you. That's all I got. Somebody needs to hear that that you know. It's not just what you say, but people see something different about you. And that's another way of sharing your faith. Look at this next passage here. And I pray that as you share your faith with others, it will grip their lives too as they see the wealth of good things in you that come from Christ Jesus. So sharing my faith isn't just sharing words, but it's sharing character and life and change. They see your humility. They see you quick to admit you're not all that in a bag of chips. They, they, they know you're genuine that you care. And it encourages, it encourages me when I know I'm, uh, when I've shared my faith. And number five, I stand strong in my faith no matter what. I stand, I stand strong in my faith no matter what. What do you mean? I stick with it. Talk with Bob Hawkins. We're, we're having breakfast yesterday and I'm watching Bob trying to Drink his coffee. You all know how the Parkinson's and all. You know, just it's oh. 
and we get, and we're, we're talking, and I'm, and I'm help get a to-go cup, you know, and get some cream, and we're sitting there talking, and he says, Tim, I don't know, he just says this to me. I don't even know if he knew what he was doing. He goes, Tim, I know some truth from God, and I'm going to keep talking about it till I'm dead. You know, I heard, are you? Are you going to retire? I ain't. And what I noticed was this spiritual stubbornness in Bob says, I'm not moving. I'm sticking with this to the end. I want to be like this. You see, because there's something about that you keep going. He goes, Tim, sometimes you've got to do what God wants and it's painful anyway, and it hurts, and it's discouraging, and you just gotta just keep going, keeping on. I think he's talking from experience. And I needed to hear that yesterday. See, it's not easy living by faith, and it's not easy developing my faith either. And I have to resist this urge to quit, because sometimes if you quit too soon, you're just short of something God doing that's so good. Look at the Bible says here. Stand strong in your faith. Yes, you will suffer for a short time. And my three favorite words of the passage. But after that. <laughs> after what? After that. After what? The suffering. The fire. The failure. After that. But after that. God will make everything right. He will make you strong. After what? After the fire. After the, after the storm. After the tragedy. After the calamity. After the stronghold. After the failure. After the relapse. After, 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 after. Fill it in. After that, He makes you strong. Because you stood in your faith. He will support you. Oh, you're not done? Oh, no, I can't, I'm going I'm, to I'm keep working. And keep you from falling. Oh, I'm about to, I'm about to go. You're, uh, here, let me steady you up. You'll be fine. I've planted over a hundred trees in my lifetime. And one of the things I noticed, I got, I looked in the backyard the other day and I noticed I got two oak trees I planted 25 years ago when Nathan and Matt were little bitty. They helped me plant them. And what I noticed is, is a lot of the trees out there are now, you know, they're, they're not the same. And I noticed something. When you plant a small tree about this big, you can just reach down and pick it right up out of the ground. You know what I'm saying? Oh, how many times I've picked up little red buds or little pines, little cedar trees, and pick them right up in the little bitty. And then I move them over. I'm thinking, well, I want to put them over here, put them over here. And I, I, One time I put a bunch of cedar trees in a group. And the cardinals just love that area, you know. But I'm picking them up. They're real easy. Well, these two oaks, they're a little bitty. We put them in the ground. That was 25 years ago. Now, instead of the trunk being as small as a pencil lead, it's about 14 inches of diameter. These two oaks growing together. And they're 60 foot tall. And if I go over to them and try to grab them and try to pull them out by the roots, guess what's going to happen? 
I'm going to get a hernia. That's not going to happen. I could get my tractor, my wonderful nine-end tractor, hook up a chain, ain't going to work. It's going to take some real, real heavy equipment if I want to pull it up out of the roots. You see, that tree has been staying in the same place for 25 years. It's went through storms in that place. It's went through drought in that same place. It's went through somebody running into it with a mower several times, not to mention her name, Denise! <laughs> it's went through insects. I got, she's looking at me going, Tim, be careful. Through insects, and it's still there. Why? It stayed put, and its roots have gotten too deep for it to go anywhere. It's going to take something massive to knock this over. What I'm saying to you is that you begin with faith. You feed your faith. You stretch that faith. Share that faith. But don't you move. You stay put. And you keep trusting the Lord. And guess what's going to happen? Your roots get deeper. And you start growing. And those things that would have moved you years ago, boop, don't have a chance. Satan has to think of something else. He's got to figure out another way to trip you up. Because it doesn't work anymore. Look what the Bible says here. Consider sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, there's the stretch, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Now here's the challenge, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed. Not deficient in any way. That's a promise from God. I'm not talking about I'm going to hold to my guns and I'm not going to listen to anything anybody's telling me about the Lord. That's not that's that's stubbornness. I'm talking about a spiritual stubbornness that says I'm going to perseverance. I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to stay with the Lord. I'm not budging. Some of you, some of you here have come back to Greater Alton and I want to, I'm so excited to see that. And I'm saying you sink deep. Satan is not going to lie to you. Well, sure, go back to church. It's fine with me. Right, fellas? And all the demons go, sure. You know better. I've got to get you out of there. I'm saying sink your roots deep into Him. Secure your faith in Christ and don't let up. Don't stop. Let Him stretch you this year. Stand firm. There's a card in your bulletin. And I want to ask you to think seriously today about what are you doing to develop your faith? What do you need to do to develop your faith? Will you let Jesus finish your faith? You've accepted Him. You've begun your faith in Him. Will you let Him finish it or will you end up rejecting the capstone? He wants to finish the project. What's He wanting from you so He can finish what He started in you? 
And most of all, I want you to think about this, and maybe you ought to write this on your card. I would like to ask you to try this, okay? Lord, if it's really You, tell me to... What would it be? If it's really You, Lord, and You tell me to... Because He wants your faith to grow. And it starts with a simple step in His direction. We're going to give you time to to um, fill this card out as we sing a song after I pray. And then we're going to sing another song after that one and take up the cards as well as our weekly contributions. So let's let's pray together here. Father, thank You for Your direction today. We praise You, Father, that we're not in this by ourselves. We have brothers and sisters around us that can help us. Father, we want to begin and end with faith. We want to live by faith. Would You help us develop our faith? So thankful for Your mercy. You offer that to us every second. And we offer our faith to You. Father, let us secure our faith in Your Son Jesus more than anything else. Give us the desire and the follow-through to feed it. Much like we feed our bodies, that we look closely at what we're taking in, that we'll look closely at what we're taking in that is either fueling our faith or harming our faith. Father, we pray that we'll live on Your bread, that Your every word, a steady stream of Your words, help us get there. Stretch our faith, Father. Stretch it. Pressure it. Pull it. Heat it up. We want stronger faith. We need stronger faith, Father. I just wonder where we'd be if we had stronger faith. If I had stronger faith, what would I be doing now? And Father, with the time that we have left, some of us here are later in years, whatever, it doesn't matter. Wherever we are, with the time we have left, would You help us stretch our faith and develop our faith? Who do we need to share our faith with, Father? We share everything else. We talk about everything else. Father, where do we need to talk about Your Son? Who needs to hear us talking about Your Son? Where do I need to hear myself talking about Your Son, Jesus? And Father, help me not cut and run. Help me not quit. Give us the faith, Father, to stand, to stand, Father, in You and be strengthened by that, Father. Help us resist the urge to quit and let Your kingdom flourish and grow tall in this world. Let us be a part of that. Father, it's really You. Tell me to... I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.